excited to see you. Excited to see you too, That's man. What's going on right now? I'm here. I'm here in this moment with you, and I enjoy the I enjoy these podcasts and my sparkling water beverage. Cheers to you, my friend. Oh man, I gotta go. I gotta go grab one real quick. I'll be right back. See that? He fucked up, guys. It's all right. While he's away, we're just gonna talk about our love for health, wellness, non-alcoholic beverages, and um, sparkling water of all kinds, flavored, not flavored, Topo Chico, Whole Foods brand, Fresh Time brand, if you're from the East Coast area where I'm at, we th- those are nice. We're uh, accepting sponsorships, everybody, as he cracks open a fresh Waterloo. Hear Delicious that, Waterloo. Waterloo. Fine vintage. We've got a, uh, a black cherry today. Mm. Lovely bouquet. Easy on the tongue. Easy on the palate. It's clean. It's crisp. It's amazing. It replaces red wine. Speaking of alcohol. clean and crisp. Let's go. We're going to need that. Because the motherfucker who we're talking to today brings us dirty, nasty, gross music. And I think that in order to keep us level, we're going to need some nice, clean drinks to keep us uh, hydrated and, and sort of able to get through the sludge. That's what I was thinking, man. I'm excited to talk to this dude. Why don't you, why don't you introduce him to the crowd, to the live I'm audience? I'm excited too, man. This is uh, Today we are talking with a gentleman by the name of David Gupta. He's coming to us all the way from Canada. He has a project called World Eaters. Um, they have just set up the, uh, the pre-order for his upcoming tape, Grinding Advance. Um, this is super dirty, like uh, old school sort of bolt thrower flavored death metal, but there's a good bit of like melody thrown in there. He's definitely doing some really cool stuff. Should be right up your alley if you like this podcast and if you trust us to shoot Rex your way, definitely check out World Eaters. Yeah, there's your first problem if you trust us. Second problem is he's already in the waiting room, man. Let's oh, go. shit. That's not a problem at all. That's a plus. I know. Get that motherfucker in here. Uh, yeah. Quick quick shout out to our boys at Desert Wastelands Productions. Just just repping the, the cutoff. Absolutely. Desert Wastelands Productions. We like. Blue, it's coming in. David Gupta connecting to audio. Hello, hello. Earth there he is. We got him. How are you doing, man? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. I uh, So I'm Schuler. I'm the dude who you've been talking to on the mm-hmm. internets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm joined today by my buddy, my co-conspirator, my partner, Zach Belante of Death Comes Lifting. Hello, David. Hey, Zach. Hey, Schuler. Nice to meet you guys face to face, I guess. Yeah, close enough. Dude. Yeah. So let's get it out of the way first, man. Is it David or is it Dave? Either. Either? So, okay. I, I don't care. Okay. But all my family calls me David. All my family and close friends call me David. And they get really upset when they hear somebody call me Dave. And all my coworkers call me Dave and get confused when someone calls me David. <laughs> Holy shit. So you've got like, a, you got a foot in each world. You're part Dave, part David. Yeah. Wow, man. No, so I, I always make sure, like I, I'm, I teach my my day job my human job is is in is in teaching and i'm i'm super uh and also because i have as we discussed a little while ago a weird fucking name and i go by my middle name i always like to make sure that we always get uh you know 
preferred name or anything like that out of the way first. I'm going to go with Dave because it makes me feel more like we're homeboys. Hell yeah. Let's go with Dave. I, go I was going to say any uh, death metal musician is family, so maybe we should call him David. Oh. How about that? Also I feel like I feel like we're blood. Also true. You know? We don't have friends on here. We got family in the Lifts and Riffs episode. I love that. So, how about only you, got bro? family on lifts and riffs, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, brother. So we have uh, before we got you on, we were talking a little bit about World Eaters. Uh, just released, just did the pre-order for Grinding Advance. This is not your first rodeo. You've been making music for a little while now. Mm-hmm. Um, we are both fans, dude. Oh, um, thanks. Super glad to have been able to to make this connection and get you on here because not only do do I like I appreciate your music I dig your music a lot but I also feel like you are working within a vein that is uh, particularly profitable right now and I don't mean profitable like financially because let's face it you know death metal musicians are broke forever but I mean this is a really really exciting and and interesting time to be playing death metal and I think that the shit that you're making is really powerful but it's also really catchy. And what I'm hoping is that uh, we get a whole bunch of ears on you with this upcoming release and sort of get some momentum behind that so we can get more. Um, Tell us a little bit about sort of your history of the project. Um, How'd you get into this kind of music? When did you start making music? And uh, bring us kind of up on World Eaters as it stands right now. Uh, Okay. Uh, Well, first of all, thanks for the kind words. That's really nice to hear. Uh, Okay, hold on here. There's a couple avenues to go here. So... World Eaters uh, started as a side project to a side project. <laughs> nice. And now it's the thing that occupies most of my musical time. Um, so I play, I guess my first real band, quote unquote, uh, is a rock band I have with my friends called The Breaking English. You can see we have a shirt back there hanging on the wall. Sweet. Um, and uh, that went on hiatus because the pandemic, obviously, was no gigs. Uh, and we weren't in the same social bubbles, so we had to... Uh, we couldn't actually practice together. Um, and so I wanted to have some heavy music, just make music on the side and do heavy music. So I started like a, like a thrash thing with a friend. Uh, and he took a long time to record vocals. And then I was like, man, I still want to make music. So then I just started World Leaders as another thing to do. Um, and that was in March. Yeah. Um, March last year. So it's just over a year old now. Um, and yeah, World Leaders has kind of become the the main thing now we'll see when you know gigs come back how how i balance them all but for the time being it's that's kind of my my main project so to speak so what um what does what does life coming back look like for you after the pandemic it's all or and, and what was it like before the pandemic so one of the things that we have sort of it's it's kind of a weird thing to talk about on here because we never really know how people are going to react obviously if you're talking about something this what's been a very, very difficult period um, for a lot of people, uh, financially, personally, professionally. Um, it sometimes seems callous or insensitive to say, I'm sort of glad that we got a lot of, um, that, that a lot of really interesting and creative people have had time to, to invest in these projects over the course of the last year and change. Uh, this podcast being one of those things, obviously at the lower end on the on the creative part, anyway. Um, but you know, we've talked to a number of different musicians who, over the last year, in spite of the the, the hell world that we've been living in, 
um, have developed all these projects and started working with people sort of remotely who they otherwise wouldn't have had the chance to work with and getting into routines and coming up with new shit. And that I think is, is one of the silver linings of what has been, you know, like I said earlier, just a really, really fucking dismal period of time for a lot of people. Um, before all of this, you mentioned that you were playing a lot more shows in a rock band. Like, tell us a little bit about sort of the, the landscape of your normal life before we ended up on fucking Mars where we are right now and how music figured into that and sort of anywhere you want to go. Uh, sure. Um, obviously, yeah, there's a lot more gigs back then. So I, I guess kind of stepping away from music for a sec, I'm lucky and privileged enough that my job lets me work remotely, mostly. Um, so that hasn't really changed. I still have a steady income, which is nice. Um, but as far as like the hobbies and the music goes, um, yeah, we played shows, not like super regularly. We weren't like a touring band or anything like that. Um, maybe every other weekend we'd play around our town or Southern Ontario. Um, and we were kind of gearing up uh, for an album release. We actually released it uh, April last year. So like right when like the first wave was just like oh, barreling yeah. down on us. Uh, we figured, sucks. we figured whatever, we'll release the album and we'll do our album release show in 2027 or whenever the fuck we could start playing again um but uh i i don't know i i think coming back to i mean there's there's some there's some internal stuff we've got to figure out um when everything does get back to you know quote unquote normal is like it's been 15 months we've been in a room together since we've played music together like how i gotta i gotta check in with the other four people right so I don't know if that's going to be a big thing or not, but I think the, the biggest thing returning to live shows happening and the kind of music kicking back up again is going to be, I guess, for myself, balancing these projects. Um, and I don't know how I'm going to do it because I've never done that before. So fingers crossed. Um, and the other thing, uh, oh, fuck, I just had it in my head and then it left. Um, oh, and the other thing would be for world leaders uh, is I'd like to get a live band together. So like right now I'm a one man project and I'd like to get like an actual band together and, and play gigs. Um, Cause I, I love performing. That's my favorite part of, of music. Um, so once shows are feasible again and safe, um, that's going to be like, I'm going to be gunning for that and kind of pushing all my friends to, to join me on it. Um, Which would yeah. be fun, I think. And I, I, I think that the, you know, at least the stuff that's on that, that you've shared with me and that I've heard from the split um, are, particularly well geared towards a live reception i think i mean death metal kind of has that vibe anyway but mm -hmm. again you know there's a lot of really catchy parts here there's a lot of good stuff to move around to and it just seems like this would be a, a really fun thing to see live so i hope that you get around to doing that yeah i uh that's i mean i, I can't say i've written things to be played live sure. I, yeah. I, yeah um but i think I, I agree that i think the songs would, would do well in a live setting because they are kind of that mid-tempo catchy stuff i mean that's like limited because i'm i'm not that good of a guitar player i can't play the flashy <laughs> like dying fetus riffs and stuff like that um so i guess that lends into into playing simple stuff if you will um but uh yeah i can't wait i honestly can't wait to see how they sound live so what's what's your history with death metal like like um when did you start getting into this music who were some of your i mean there's there are some pretty clear uh influences you know on on the project's face but I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that sort of in your words um and specifically how that figures into like your past with the music it's always interesting to see how 
the stuff that influenced you that maybe got you into the genre um, ends up shaping the art that you end up creating? Uh, hold on here. Okay, so how I got into death metal. Uh, oh my God. Um, I, I think I found my first couple death metal bands. I'm sure a friend showed them to me in uh, like high school. I'd probably guess an old friend uh, who actually haven't seen in a few years named Sean. Um, he probably showed me a couple things, death um, in flames, I think as well. Um, I remember, I, I remember when I first heard extreme stuff, I hated it. Um, I, for most of my musical, like listening career time, like from when I was like first, you know, discovered music, went, oh, wow, this is cool. I want to look into more of this. Every time I found something like more extreme than what I was listening to, I went, <laughs> this sucks. Do you have, do you have any examples? I do. Um, I have one that stands out in, in particular and I, it was back in like the LimeWire days, like when you can just download, oh, fuck, yes. you know, like one song at a time, you just search someone's name and the file name is like Metallica, Black Sabbath, Megadeth, hashtag dash stairway to heaven dot MP3. And you're like, I don't yes. know what this is, but okay, cool. Um, but uh, I was like, I, I would probably listen to a lot of like Black Sabbath, Kiss, uh, Rolling Stones, like just like rock and, you know, yeah. kind of early metal stuff. Sure. Um probably a little bit a little bit of maiden at that point too and i remember hearing uh, uh rest in peace polaris by megadeth um and i downloaded it because i think i think I, I was listening to metallica and i saw online somewhere someone's like oh if you like metallica you gotta listen to megadeth and I was like, okay searched it up you know a little 12 year old david or whatever however old i was at the time uh and i put it on and as soon as i heard dave mustaine's voice i turned it off holy shit <laughs> And I was like, so, I can't do this. This is too much. This is extreme. This is too extreme. Dude, you and I are, uh, it might be a lonely boat, but we're both in the boat together. I've, oh, hell fucking, yeah. I've been, I've, I've been sort of venting about this on, not venting about this on Twitter lately, but it, it ended up becoming more of a thing than I meant for it to. Um, <laughs> I, I, I tweeted, I tweeted that, uh, that I was not a fan of Megadeth, but that if Jason Newstead joined Megadeth as their new bass player, I would buy whatever they did next, fucking blind. I'd walk into huh. Target or wherever the fuck there was a special edition of the new Megadeth record, and I'd buy that shit. And it would be my first time actually purchasing one. Well, the people who, whatever people are unfortunate enough to see the bullshit that I spew on Twitter, only latched on to the don't like Megadeth part. Of, right? of course, yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, and so, like, nobody came after me or anything like that. It was just a really, it, it was a nice sort of spirited conversation among a lot of people, but that, to me, is ultimately what fucks it up for me, is just his voice. Because the music is fucking sick in a lot of places, especially on the older shit, you know? Yeah, so full disclosure, I don't mind Megadeth now. A lot of these things that I... Um, that I, you know, found and went, oh my God, this is way too much. When yeah. I was younger, like I eventually learned to like them. Like same thing how I got into, you know, death metal. I found something and went, oh my God. And then I eventually warmed up to it. But yeah, Dave Mustaine's voice is an acquired taste. Um, he's, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the music rips. Like Rust in Peace is probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Just because okay. the music is so good. Um, and it, it makes up for Dave Mustaine's voice. At this point, it's kind of funny. It's like listening to a Muppet, you know? Yeah. Uh, so what so what's uh what was the next step in extremity then if, if uh, megadeth put you off at that time what, what like what was the first death metal record that you heard that you were like nah man fuck this shit 
the first death metal record I probably heard. Uh, I mean, people might argue that it's not death metal, but I think it was In Flames. Uh, Come Clarity? Nice. Is that the one that's white and it's got like the circular thing on the cover? Yeah. yeah, yeah like one. the Derek the Derek Hess artwork. It's that, that, that guy who was drawing like every single fucking hardcore and metalcore band in, in from like 2003 to like 2005 had... Derek Hess artwork on the cover. Oh, okay. Um, dude, I like I I have this sort of weird relationship with In Flames. Like they were one of my earlier bands too. Like I got I got into straightforward death metal before I got into any of the melodic stuff. But like I before LimeWire, like this is back in the '90s when I found a lot of this shit on MIRC, which is a lot of people don't even know what that is now. It's like never a, heard of it like a peer-to-peer chat thing where you can send files and shit like that and there was this there was a channel on there called mp3 death metal uh and that's how i found like in flames and at the gates and children of bodom and a lot of the more melodic stuff that i ended up getting into so their most recent release at the time was clayman and that was the first in flames record that i heard and i remember listening to it thinking that it was going to be like a black metal album because it was on nuclear blast or something like that Mm -hmm. Century Media, I, I can't remember. Um, but just like the, the presentation of it and sort of the conversations that exposed me to it, those those people who I was talking to gave me the impression that I was going to be listening to like some black metal band or some death metal band. And then I was like, this is Iron Maiden, but like yeah. with a, a dude with a gruff voice over it. And so it's been, it's been interesting to sort of chart that band's development. I can't say that I'm the biggest fan of, of what they're doing now, not necessarily because it's not death metal, right? Like I don't expect them to fucking put out another artifacts of the black rain or something like that. It's just, it's, it's, it's not, it's not the fact that it's not heavy that puts me off of it. It's just like, I'm listening to it as not heavy music and I'm not really necessarily enjoying what I'm hearing. Um, Yeah. I'm probably but the I same think, boat for that. Yeah, I think I think Come Clarity was a really interesting record for them because it was it did sort of mark that last what I consider to be like the the play man to reroute to remain to um, soundtrack to your escape to Come Clarity sound like there was more of a of a of a of a metal vibe in there mm-hmm. and then the next record. Um, is when they started to transition into more of like a radio rock thing. So it's cool that that was the first time that you got to hurt him. I mean, like, hey, like it's not, it might not be death metal in certain conversations, but I think that if it was one of the heaviest things that you'd heard at that time, it might as well be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it was definitely the heaviest thing I'd heard at the time. Like that was probably the first time I ever heard a blast beat. Yeah. Like in my life. Uh, or like a, like a harsh vocal. Discounting Dave Mustaine. <laughs> Discounting whatever it is that Dave Mustaine yeah. does. The, the gurgling, fucking scratchy. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, uh, um, I can't do it. But I kind of went the opposite that you didn't. It was melodic death metal that got me into death metal. Um, yeah. Like, which I, I think I think a lot of people go that route, you know, because right? like I used to be into like the early heavy metal stuff. So I liked, you know, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden before I got into the really heavier stuff. So yeah. kind of the same thing with Clayman. Like I remember hearing like Arch Enemy uh, and yeah, Clayman was one. Um, uh, what's the other one? Horacle was another In Flames album yeah. that I really liked when I was younger. Um, yeah, I kind of got that vibe. I was like, oh, there's like lead guitars and you know, riffs that I can hum. Like, it's not just, you know, yeah, blasting. Yeah, it's, and... it's fucking catchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and then that kind of got me acclimated to like the blast beats and the heavy vocals and the just the production and like getting used to like super low tuned guitars and that kind of stuff and then slowly it kind of went to like you know death and then uh, i don't know whatever whatever else morbid angel dying fetus and then now it's kind of anything for death metal for me so um, which came first for you the music that you listened to or a musicianship like have, were you have you been playing music oh, the, since a young age no, the music came first. Um, although not by much. I wasn't into music f- until I was like 14, not 14, like 12 or 13. Like I just like yeah. didn't care about music. Uh, like my parents had CDs, but it wasn't until like something in middle school. And so I think someone showed me the Rolling Stones and I went, oh, this rules. And then I, I kind of to it from there. But before then, I'd, like, I'm not one of those people who like heard Metallica at six years old and was hooked. Um, yeah. But uh, the music came first. Uh, and I was probably in that stage where I was listening to like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, where I kind of wanted to learn how to play guitar. Um, and it really didn't kick off until Guitar Hero 3 came out, whenever that was. Um, which I'm sure this my is mom incredible. is k- kicking herself for because my mom is a classical guitarist and she's been playing for like 45 years. Oh shit! <laughs> but I did not give a shit. I did not give a shit about guitar until I played Guitar Hero. <laughs> Dude, that's so. Let let's let's come back to Guitar Hero in a minute. Your mom's a classical guitarist. Yep, she's been playing just as a hobby um, for like since she was in her 20s. Dude, that fucking rules, man. Like, have you ever thought about doing some sort of collaboration with moms? That would be tight uh, as fuck. That'd be cool. Um, I don't think she has an I don't think she has an interest in collaborating much with me. <laughs> this is what you do. This is how you approach that situation. Mom. Beautiful guitar playing. Absolutely love it. I was wondering if you might uh and then you use your music language because I don't know how to say that shit, but like fool her into thinking that it's just gonna be one thing that stands by itself. And then you record that motherfucker and you take it and you put it into a death metal song. And then you play it for her and you say, This is gonna be out there forever. And she's gonna say, David, why did you do this? But no, like that would be that would just I, I don't know. I feel like that would be rad. And I feel like some of the stuff, specifically in world eaters, I'm not that I'm not that you know, obviously I haven't heard um your 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 other band your rock band um but like i love i love elements of classical guitars and other things that you don't really expect when, mm-hmm. when they pop up in death metal and then when they're well incorporated that would be some rad shit to hear that would be really cool i'd like i thought about it i know my mom doesn't like writing yeah. um she likes to just learn i was gonna say covers but i guess that's not really the right term for like classical music yeah um, but she likes to learn like the pieces that sure. kind of yeah. stuff yeah um, and she doesn't really have an interest in in writing music, uh, just <laughs> learning. So maybe I can maybe I can try and get something going, but uh, I don't but know. You, I wouldn't hold my breath. You grew up in this home in which there was a wealth of knowledge at your disposal, oh, yeah. yep. and you got into playing music through a fucking video game. What? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's, that's like I love it. That's like the modern story. That it doesn't get any more modern than that. Like, tell me, um, what was some of the stuff? Like, what were the, the? I'm not that familiar with Guitar Hero, but I know, I know, that, like some of the. There are some bands whose inclusion in those games had ended up sort of gaining them a fan base that they probably wouldn't have otherwise. Like, um, what's the Dragon Band? Dragon, Dragon Storm. Dragon, Dragon Force Lord. through the fire. Dragon Force. Yes. No, th- like, um, I remember like 
going to a fucking party in like 2009 or something with like there were a bunch of fucking rednecks there talking about uh dragon force and i was like this oh. is incongruous i don't understand <laughs> yeah that's how good these, how did these two things come together um what was the shit what were the things that you were listening to on that uh on that game that you were playing and that got you to a point where you started taking it seriously uh i think that was the first time i heard slayer because i think Rain no of, uh, raining blood was on guitar hero 3 uh yeah. and they had maiden and a little bit of sabbath um they had a uh, uh, cult of personality by living color. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which that was one of the songs that like, cause like it's curry, right? So they give you the solos to play, play. Yeah. Um, but just hearing like all the wild shredding and stuff. I think, uh, I think why, why, was on there. Maybe I'm a different guitar hero or rock band or something at the time that I was playing with a bunch of friends. And that was another one where I was like, Whoa, this like, you could do this. This is loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's kind of what got me into it. It's like I just kept listening to the songs that were on the on the game because they were just they just picked great songs. That's it, really. Uh, did you ever did you ever do any of that? Were you ever a guitar guitar hero or band uh, rock band guy? Fuck yeah, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, I love that shit. The first time I heard Painkiller by Judas Priest was playing drums on rock band and it was fucking insane. I didn't know Judas Priest ever sounded like that. And that made me a huge Judas Priest fan after that. That's my main I, takeaway. I honestly, I, and this is, I don't know if it's the first time I ever heard Judas Priest, but I, and, and technically I wasn't hearing Judas Priest then either, but the first the first memory that I have of Judas Priest was the cover of Painkiller that was on the end of Sound of Perseverance. And you were talking about, Ooh, uh, it's heavy. you were talking about death earlier, yeah. right? And like, yeah. I, I fucked up, right? I bought Sound of Perseverance. It was relatively recent that time and i bought it just because of like the cover and the label that it was on and i was not ready for that shit like i it was like super complex compared to a lot of the other shit that i'd gotten into and then at the very end there's like this super fucking catchy song with like like uh like high-pitched vocal and i was like this fucking rules why does the rest of this fucked up record not sound like that (laughs) so i'm looking through the liner notes and i was like this is judas priest and uh that opened me to it in a way that i hadn't really gotten around to it at that time because like i kind of i like i inherited i think and i think a lot of us do this i inherited a lot of the the early heavy metal bands that i got like i got sabbath from my dad i got uh sepultura and pantera from other guys who i knew i got um you know iron maiden from from a friend's older brother like all those things sort of came to me in these weird ways Uh, but judas priest never really ended up on my plate until I heard fucking death of all people covering it. Um, and so that was sort of an interesting way to work back to it. Dude, how old are you, Dave? I'm 28. All right, I'm going to be 27. So we're rough, roughly the same age. Yeah. So Guitar Hero was fucking huge, bro. Surely. Oh, yeah. Like, I was, I always came at it with like a bitter attitude because I was like, fucking, I know this shit anyway because I was always into heavy metal and like other kids were like, oh, did you ever hear you Sabbath? And I was like, fuck you. I know this. I know this. But now looking back on it, I totally appreciate what it did for like kids like us that like didn't know anything about music. You could fucking play Guitar Hero 3 and have a total history lesson in heavy metal. Yeah. It was just, it was just like a greatest hits compilation of, rock and metal music like that's really all it was it yeah was so like best way cool like i feel like i'm gonna sound old saying kids today but i feel like kids today they're fucking know. brave yeah they don't know they don't know i know i think kids knew a lot about 
rock and roll and heavy metal because of Guitar Hero that they wouldn't have otherwise known about. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like a cultural phenomenon for sure. Like for those whatever five ten years that it was just like the biggest thing for. Are they? Is that not? Are they not around anymore? Is that not a game anymore? I don't think so. I don't think so. If they still make them, like nobody buys them. Like I haven't seen a commercial for one in a decade. I think they're like a Dave and Buster's. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Buster's. <laughs> you got to go to a fucking restaurant to play these things. Yeah, you got to get, you gotta get hammered on their Long Island iced teas and try to play like the Sex Pistols. <laughs> I think that was another right, one Guitar so... Hero 3. Uh, Anarchy in the UK. Anarchy in the UK was yeah. Guitar Hero 3. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. So Guitar Hero 3 opens the door. You start finding all these other bands. Start deciding you want to play. What does the beginning of your musical journey look like? Like, did you know from the beginning you wanted to do guitar? Or were you thinking about bass or what? Like, how'd that go? Uh, definitely I think started I with see guitar. both. I see both in the background there, do I not? Yeah, you can see uh, this is the second guitar I ever owned that my parents bought for me. God bless them. Um, and then that's a a bass that I bought maybe a couple of years ago. I've got another bass down here that's more recent. Um, I'm starting to try and collect like some stranger or rarer instruments. So um, that is the bass that you just picked up. Does it not have a head? It does not. So this one here, uh, this is actually perfect for the audio medium of podcasts, but yes, um, we, oh, <laughs> we did, we've done this before. You're joining a very proud tradition of talking about shit that people can't hear or see. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is a bass from I think 1985. Uh, awesome. The company's called Westone. Uh, yeah, no head, so it's just like a, a bar here that clamps down the strings uh, where the head would be, and then down on the body there's uh, the tuning pegs, which are just like these round knobs. Uh, they're a pain in the ass to to tune because there's no room for your fingers, uh, and they're rusty as hell. Damn. Um, but. It looks sick, uh, and it was a deal when I found it on Kijiji, so I bought it. Uh, and it's been I, actually my main live base uh, ever since. I made the mistake a few years back of saying something on the internet, which Uh-oh. is a common thing. Never do that. But I said something along the lines of, why would somebody play a guitar without a headstock on it? Because they kind of look funny. It wasn't even like it wasn't even like super derogatory. Like I wasn't like, dude, it's fucking suck or something like yeah. that. I was just like, I can't get used to the way those things look. And I was eaten alive by oh, yeah. fucking by all the prog all, nerds. Yes, by all the fucking <laughs> by all the nerds. Um, and I, and I, I say that lovingly, being a nerd in my own right with my own shit. But like, I had no idea that that was such a polarizing thing. Oh, yeah. Um, amongst guitarists, you know what I mean? Like, I thought, you know, from the outside, like, I've been in bands and shit like that, but I'm not a musician. I have no gift for it. I've never, uh, I'm also very lazy and have never put any work into, you know, becoming good at something like that. But I, so I assumed kind of that not having a headstock was more like a branding thing, but apparently it changes a lot about the actual playing of the instrument. Is Does that attract it, attract you to it? Like, it's it's lighter or whatever is what yes. a lot of them were saying. So part of the reason I grabbed this specific bass, other than just the way it, the way it looks, because it's got like the racing stripe and everything on it, yeah. um, is ergonomic. So like I said, we gigs like relatively regularly, uh, and as the bass player, like I'm hugging, around, I'm lugging around like a huge amp and my bass and all my pedals, and then we got to load and everything else. So I wanted to like streamline my my setup. So this bass fits in a case about the size of a guitar case because it's got no head so it's smaller takes up less space in the car lighter 
Uh, the base itself is super thin and super light. Um, so when I'm wearing it on stage, I can just run around and do whatever I want. And I don't have to like lug around this massive block of wood. Um, and the balance of it is a lot better. So if you have like a, an instrument that has, especially with a really long neck, like a bass, and then a big chunky headstock on the end, like that's just a little bit of extra weight that tips it down, you know, on that end. So either the, the person who designed it can make it heavier in the body to counterbalance it, in which case you're just dangling more weight from your neck, right. or you can just chop the head off. Um, so now, like, or I guess not now because we've no gigs, but when we were gigging before the pandemic, like I would walk into a gig. Actually, I actually ditched the amp too at the end. I really, I, I plugged straight into the soundboard and I walked in with my bass, uh, a tuner pedal and a wireless transmitter. And I just plugged one end in the, in the tuner pedal and the other end right into the PA system. And that was my live setup. I could it's, walk uh, in with like a briefcase and that's it. <laughs> Frank, Frank, um, Albies from Half, I think would probably appreciate that. He's one of those workers who, especially, I don't know if you're familiar with Hath or yeah. not, but they, oh, yeah. I fucking, I absolutely love that band. And I, I think that their, their, their full length of Rotten Ruin is, is a brilliant record. And we had him on this podcast and we were talking to him about guitar tones. And this motherfucker goes, I just kind of showed up and played. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's all the thought that you put into it. And then, you know, and then we turn around and have a conversation with somebody like Carl Sanders, who's like, or, or like Rob Barrett, who's like, yeah, you know, we're recording with Eric Rutan and we spend a week deciding sort of what kind of guitar tone that we want to get. So that, that, that conversation in and of itself, thinking about a bass player who just kind of shows up and plays live, plug it in. Like, I do like, I do like the, uh, sort of the, the 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 rock and roll cavalier attitude of that like we're just going to do this shit and see how it's because i mean if it's live it's probably going to be different but that does get me sort of curious about your studio process now so i assume all leaders since this is born of the pandemic and born of pandemic isolation i assume that you are the man behind the scenes for all of this as well is that correct yes all the recording mixing and mastering is all me Damn. um Except for, I guess, recording any collaborations, people do it at their own house because obviously we can't get together. Just out of uh, and before before we before we get to that, or before you go any further, yeah. Are there any are there any secrets that you're keeping about collaborations on nope. upcoming release? Okay, nope. cool. So I, uh, if there's something I know about, I can mention it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You can. Okay. Cool. We'll get to that. We'll get to that here in a minute. Sure. Um, yeah. But tell us. So tell us more about um, sort of the production process for this. Like how, how did you go about deciding when the songs were ready? Um, when did you, you know, how much time does it take? Are you familiar? Had you, had you done a lot of production sort of before you started working with World Eaters? How's, how's that go? Um, so I've done a little bit of production. Uh, I've been recording myself like guitar, guitar and like programming drums and stuff like that for like on and off for maybe about eight or nine years. Uh, sometime in university is when I started. Um, I can't remember if it was the first year or second year or something like that. But um, just like, you know, whatever shitty software I had when I was younger, I started with that and I just learned like, oh, here's how you plug in a guitar and get a sound to come out, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and then um, with uh, my rock band, The Breaking English, we recorded a demo uh, in, this in this basement. Um, and that was kind of my, my first like, okay, how do we put microphones in front of a drum kit? Okay, how do I, you know, record somebody singing? How do I record three people singing? Um, like that kind of thing. And that was kind of the first 
point where I realized like, hey, this is actually kind of cool and I like this. I like doing this kind of stuff. Uh, I wasn't good at it and I'd argue I'm still not great at it. I'm, le- I'm still learning. Um, but that's where it kind of like, oh, okay. Like there's a process here and there's, there's things I can learn and like objectively get better at. Like there's actionable things I can learn. Um, and then since then I've like just kind of slowly done more and more. Um, we went to a studio for our album because we, we learned the, the actual like massive gap in skill between like DIY learning and like a professional that you pay. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, after the demo, like I recorded that thrash thing I was talking about and then uh, the first world leaders thing. And then since then, like I've been trying to learn something new and apply it to every world leaders release since the first one, the demo. Um, so that's kind of the, the background on it. The process, like you said, like how a song comes together. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound really shitty. But like, I swear to God, it's not being sassy. Uh, I sit down and I start writing it. And then when I stand up again, the song is done. Boom. Um, that's how I've written everything except, I think, uh, one of the songs on the new EP. Um, everything is written in one session uh, where I wake up on like a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. I make my coffee. I come down here. I plug in and I just go like, I want to write a song today. And then I start riffing and doing stuff. And like the first riff I write is almost always the first riff in the song. And then I go, well, what will be cool next? And then I write the next riff and go like, okay, cool. And then I just keep going until I go, yeah, I think that's a song. Cool. And that's it. That The song is done. <laughs> Um, which is which is cool like it's all it's always interesting to hear sort of the difference in um in the in the you know the 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 creation process from one player to the next um when you do this on the morning you know you say you get up saturday morning and you're like i think i'll write a song today does does that some is that something that you sort of block out ahead of time or do you wait for inspiration to strike or how like do you ever do you ever make yourself write music I try not to. Uh, I've tried doing it before, and the only thing that comes out is like just fucking generic garbage. Um, like I'm not happy with any of it. And anytime I'm like, I'm gonna write a song today, it's like I gotta. I can I can usually feel it coming on just based on like what I'm listening to and like how I feel when I like uh, when I listen to stuff. Like recently, I've been listening to the new Steel Bearing Hand a lot, um, which rips. Oh, yes, um, dude, that shit rips. It's so good. <laughs> and like yes. every and, like every time I put it on, I'm like, I want to play guitar. Like, yes. I want to do something. So like that, and like when I start feeling that, which I can, I can tell when that feeling comes on, I'm like, I could probably do some writing like in the next week or two. Right. And then, and then, but then I'll just wait for it to actually like strike when I, when I, you know, I wake up, I'm making coffee and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write for the next couple hours and then I'll go downstairs. I don't try and force it. Um, Cause I got all the time in the world here so I can, I can do it whenever. Um, yeah. That's, that's really it. It's, it's, I try and do it on feel mostly. Um, I I like to plan a lot so i'm trying to do the opposite with world leaders like with the with the breaking english the rock band there like we meticulously plan everything everything is like by process uh and i'm, I'm really like that with a lot in my life and so when i started world leaders i was like i just want to kind of do and see what happens just kind of yeah. go with the flow and see how it works and so far i've been enjoying it uh it's been different but i like it did you get the name from Bolt Thrower? I got it simultaneously from Bolt Thrower and Warhammer, um, yeah. which also Bolt Thrower 
references Warhammer. So yes, the answer is yes. It's all the same thing. It's all the same shit. Yeah. That's awesome. I was hoping you did, honestly, because we love Bolt Thrower. We're huge Bolt Throwers, Bolt Thrower fans here. Oh yeah, same. I love Bolt Thrower. I mean, you can I mean, Every... fucking you can tell by the music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves Bolt Thrower. I, I think sure. that's probably the safest bet in death metal. I don't, I don't, do you, do either of y'all know anybody who's like, nah, fuck Bolt Thrower? No, because I no. wouldn't, I wouldn't choose to associate with them. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have, you'd <laughs> There's have not to the fight that person. Yeah. 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 You would have to just be like, if you don't like Bolt Thrower, I don't like you. We're even, not going to be able to make this work. Even some people who, don't like metal like in my life like my friends yeah. and like and my partner they still like bolt thrower sure. like i've shown it's them like that, I'll, I'll play bolt thrower in the car and and katie will be like hell yeah this rules um, so, so, bolt thrower, they believe in themselves and their yes. music so much that it will fucking change anybody's mind all they got to do is hear it and they're like this is that real shit right here and exactly. i feel good about it yeah are you so? Are you um? Are you like the lone death metal dude amongst your your group, your friends, your partner, thing? Or do you have anybody that you? I guess the internet has sort of really changed that. Like it seems like people who like this kind of music tended to either be part of a close knit scene or exist entirely in a vacuum. You know, back in the nineties. Mm -hmm. But and I I include myself sort of in the in the group of people who got into this due to and and in conjunction with you know meeting people online um but at the, at the same time like there's still something really cool about having you know somebody who you see in person who you're close with uh through something other than just like twitter or whatever who's into the same kind of music as you are you are you part of a group or are you the lone gunman uh more of the lone gunman i that's part of the reason why i started world leaders is because i have like I, in, out of my close circle of friends like i'm the only metalhead like not even just like a death metal guy like i'm the only metalhead um katie likes some stuff she's more into like hardcore um but uh and she tolerates a lot of the music that i play uh so bless her um, bless these bless these tolerant women who put right? up with this fucking shit <laughs> yeah um but i'd like all my all my main friends like yeah i'm, I'm the only metal guy um and part of the reason i wanted to start like a metal project was just like go meet more metal people um so twitter's been like a godsend for that yeah like all the people I've connected with on there, like it's incredible just meeting so many people who are into the same stuff as you. Um, and I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like it's, it's different having somebody in person that you could just like geek out with, like, you know, hand them your cannibal corpse record. And then, you know, they're like, Oh sick. And you guys like flip to the book and whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't really have that. I have, I have some friends who are into heavier music, but they're, it's not like quite the same. They're either into like more like, um, uh, post metal and like black metal, like atmospheric stuff or um a, a lot of people in my local scene in guario are it's a little more hardcore leaning a little more deathcore leaning a little more like technical and uh progressive kind of stuff like almost like genty kind of stuff in our in our metal scene there's not a lot of like death metal bands um, like i can think of one other than myself like there's scorn and that's it <laughs> um Gotta, Check out Scorn. Shout yeah, out to Scorn. You, you got to get some people together and 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 alter the scene up there once the world reopens. That would be that would be a cool thing to see. Also, because I think it would be interesting, and and it usually does turn out to be a cool thing whenever something that you know you have created is very much your baby, 
Um, but once you get those songs in the hands of other people and you all start collaborating together, it would be cool to see sort of what happened to the songs that you've already written. And then if anything new came into it re regarding, you know, a, a, an injection of new uh, uh, creativity into that writing process, that would be a cool thing to see. Would that be something that you'd be open to? Absolutely. 100%. That's um, for writing songs. That's one of my favorite parts um, is the collaboration. So working with like working with people brings in, especially, I guess there's a bit of a caveat here because a lot of my history with writing music with people is with a bunch of people who have different musical tastes and musical backgrounds. And that to me makes really good, interesting output. Um, like I wouldn't want to I don't know, I guess beggars can't be choosers, but I wouldn't want to like get a band together where it's all just like five dudes who love Volt Thrower and nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> that that to me is going to make like, the, I might as well just keep doing it myself. You know what I mean? Like yeah, at yeah. that point. Um, but if I can find people who like want to play this kind of music, but can bring in influences from like anywhere else, yeah. that'd be awesome. That's one of my favorite parts. Cause there's like a bit of a, um, there's a bit of a vetting process to it too. Like when you have, a bunch of people together um like there's five of us in the breaking english and we decided the band is 100 uh democratic so we always vote on everything so even when like a song is being put together like if any ideas go a little too far or a little too out there for any one of us we can just kind of raise your hand and be like i don't i don't like this let's not do it let's are, should we do this no yes blah, blah 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 and we talk about it so that i think is something i want to do with world leaders once i can get a band together is get people who do want to collaborate I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the Dave Mustaine of, yeah. of world leaders. Um, the, Dave, the Dave Gupta as it yeah, were. Yeah. Um, I want to get like a band together. I don't want to be the showrunner. That makes sense. And it seems like if, if that is part of the goal, like you, you have put together a very, um, I think comprehensive and impressive resume with with grinding advance. So, so what's the what's the timeline for all of that? When's the release? Um, I know you got the tape pre-ordered to go in right now. Do you have anything else planned for physical release or anything that you can talk about regarding the EP, man? Now it's now's the time. Let's hear that shit. Pitch it. Yeah, I, I could talk about whatever. I I mean, I'm just a guy. I, I I'm not bound by a manager or a label. Like, fucking ask whatever you want. Well, but, uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily mean like, will your handlers allow you to talk <laughs> about this shit? But you know, sometimes it's fun to like. You know, we don't we don't announce our guests until like the podcast goes live because there's still something fun about that surprise element. So like, I don't want to put you in a situation where there's something that you had been wanting to sort of reveal at your own at your own pace that we end up trying to pressure you into talking about here. No, I try and keep everything really, really transparent with world leaders. So it doesn't matter. I can talk about whatever. Um, yeah. The EP grinding advances coming out on June 18th, uh, Spotify, Bandcamp, um, every other major streaming service. Um, and then, yeah, there's a tape. Um, it's only a tape uh, just because that's all I can afford to make. Uh, and it's a limited run of, uh, 40 right now um they're just more, about gone brother they're almost gone now from the pre-orders that opened two days ago yeah <laughs> um i have i think five left now that you've ordered one yeah. um and uh that's not to say that it's like a limited run of 40 ever it's if there's yeah. demand i'll make more like that's it right like i just don't want to drop hundreds of dollars to make something and then sure. have it just sit in my basement for three years like there's gotta be the demand there um 
So that's kind of the impetus for any more pressings or any other uh, formats. If I want to make CDs or vinyl, if I really want to or whatever, um, there's got to be the demand for it. Um, and that's it. Right now, um, what I'm trying to do for the pre-order and for the rest of June um, is all the proceeds from selling the pre-order, digital, um, selling sets, whatever, uh, 100% of it is going to go towards a local um, LGBTQ organization called Guelph Pride, uh, and I'm going to match them 100%. So I'll, I'll donate it at the end of June um, just as a, I don't know, a way to give back to a, a, my local community. That's awesome. I mean, and it's, it's, it's local community for you. It's also Pride Month. I feel like that makes a big difference. But um, tell us a little bit more about that organization. Is that something that you've been involved? Like, have you volunteered with them before? Or are you familiar with them in some way other than just this is a really good cause? Like, uh, what not, do they do? Not a ton. Like, I ha um, I'm an ally to the LGBTQ community here. Um, so I have a lot of friends who are a part of it. And Guelph Pride does a lot of like outreach and events um, in the city. Um, and I have a bit of experience with them uh, donating in the past. So last year when the Breaking English dropped our album, we did kind of a similar thing. So through June, we uh, took all of our proceeds and we, we matched it. And then we actually split the donations between Guelph Pride and the Guelph Black Heritage Society. Um, so I wanted to do something similar again, because yeah, it is June. Like I knew I was going to release the album in June. And I was like, eh, it's Pride Month, like not a bad way to do it. Um, and I like, I don't need the money from world leaders. Like I have a steady job. So I'm like, why not? Let's do it. It sounds like a good plan to me. Um, I didn't really reach out to Gulf Pride beforehand. I just kind of told them like, I'm going to give you money at the end of the month. Uh, they haven't responded. <laughs> so um, it would be awesome if they did though. It like, would be, they, that'd be sweet. If they were like, we, we love death metal at Gulf Pride. Like that would be oh, cool be, as fuck, man. Um, but yeah, that's it. It just, I wanted to give some money to a good cause. And I figured that'd be a good way to kind of, get a bit more money through than I can just normally donate is if I can match something then I can oh, yeah. give twice as much. Right. That's awesome. Especially, I mean, I, I feel like that knowing that you have sort of gone into this physical release, well, I guess also the digital releases from a standpoint of knowing that you're going to donate the profits to a particular cause, to a particular organization probably makes the music mean that much more to you in this situation. I would think, I mean, if it were me, that's, that's how I would feel, you know, you're, kind of bonding those two things together in this experience for you as a, as a writer and as a person. That's pretty tight. Yeah, that's definitely uh, come together a bit in my mind recently. It's like, like the music's been done for a long time. So like it's written well before I even decided I wanted to do that. Um, it was only when I decided on the June release date that I kind of clicked and went, oh, I can do something here. Um, so yeah, it's kind of grown like that over time uh, in my mind. But yeah, it's Hopefully it'll be good. And I mean, like if I just took the profits from it, like for my previous releases, like it's, it's just going to go towards bolt thrower shirts and fucking nice. Warhammer. Like that's it, right? Like yeah. it's going to go into the fucking nothing. <laughs> so, or, or is it going to go into the well? That's the well of inspiration from which you draw your shit. Yeah, that's, that's we gotta, true. we gotta, we gotta contextualize these things, right? It's not nothing. Okay. Um, yeah. I like that. With, uh, with, with, you know, we've talked about your inspirations a little bit, and then we mentioned this a little bit earlier when I was asking about uh, grinding advance. You were generous enough to share a promo of that with me, so I've, I've heard the whole thing. Um, I listened to this, and I think I told you this. I listened to the release in reverse order. Yep. <laughs> um, and the first song that I heard, I was like, 
what the fuck it was it was mixing two things that i did not expect to hear together at all tell us a little bit about that collaboration uh yeah so that's uh a cover of kate bush's uh running up that hill uh with my good friend justin uh he's from a band called frank reynolds uh they rip they're like a psychedelic funk band uh more rock but like psych psych funk influences um uh and yeah he's like one of the one of the best front men that i know like locally um and i know he's a huge kate bush fan i'm a big kate bush fan too uh and i knew i wanted to do a cover um and i knew i wanted to do like a like a driving song so i was thinking of what i wanted to do and that song just kind of landed in my lap and i was like oh yeah let's do running up that hill and i was like who can who i I can't sing this who can sing this i was like oh justin's gonna be the guy he's got the he's got the charisma he's got the range and i just reached out to him went hey you want to cover kate bush and he went yes (laughs) Yeah, immediately Dude, yeah well, i was like, like I, hell yeah i'm not familiar with with kate bush at all um and so i was thinking to myself like this is some straight up like power death metal shit like it was just really fucking i, I don't I, I i thought the mixture of it came off really cool um and then you know finding out that it was a cover and then sort of looking at it in the context of the entire release uh definitely a cool way to cap off cap off that that ep man Thanks. Yeah, I like I like learning covers, so like I, it was an excuse to just make one, I guess. Um, and I like uh, I kind of Iron Maidenified it with a lot of like guitar leads and that kind of stuff. Yeah. The yeah. song doesn't have uh, much of that. It has like one guitar line that repeats throughout it, but um, yeah, it kind of gave me an excuse to to finally record a cover that I could put on something and uh, get a get a good friend to to do all the vocals for. I hope I hope that everybody gets a chance to hear this. Um, I hope that obviously you know the money's going to go to a great cause. I hope you sell the shit out of this stuff, but also at the same time, I would love uh, for this to generate enough interest to keep you engaged in it. You know, creatively to the point where we can get a full length album, maybe get a full band together. That would just be a whole lot of fun, man. We wish you the very best of luck with it. Oh, thanks. Now, yeah. Dave. Yes. We're moving to the end of this conversation. We've discussed we've discussed inspiration a little bit up till this point. You've dropped the name a couple times. I'm definitely looking forward to hearing your answer to what is probably going to be the most important thing that we get to today. Okay. And I would really, really, really like it if Zach would do the honors of hitting you with this fucking hammer of a question, my man. Dave, what is your favorite mm-hmm. Black Sabbath record? Mob Rules. Fuck yeah. Mob Rules. That's a good one. Uh, I, say more. I yeah. am I'm tempted to say Paranoid. That's a close second cuz War Pigs is one of my favorite songs of all time. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, and the rest of the album rips too, but uh Paranoid fucking rules, but I think that Mob Rules is far more of an interesting response. Tell yeah, yeah what's your connection with that record? Why is that the one? Uh I only recently dug into the whole album i'd I'd heard the i heard the title track that's actually probably it which rips yeah like when i was younger and i was like you know downloading stuff on limewire i heard mob rule like the song the mob rules thought it was great uh but i never really like pieced together like do sabbath like there's there's probably more songs yeah (laughs) um until like i don't know maybe a few months ago uh and it just like like that's when i actually fully checked out the album and it just steamrolled everything else i was listening to since then like i i i'm not a uh an enormous black sabbath fan there's a lot of gaps in their discography especially like the later stuff 
um, yeah. uh, as far as what I've listened to. But like, I, I like I still remember being like, I'm gonna listen to Mob Rules. Oh yeah, that song exists. I'm gonna listen to Mob Rules in front to back and see what it's like. And I hit play, and then you hear that. Yeah, and I'm like, what? What the fuck is this? And it's just, it's just so like sword swinging heavy metal for Black Sabbath, but it's still heavy as fuck. Like Sign of the Southern Cross, like holy shit that song is so heavy it's such um, a it's such a fun high energy record yeah yeah there's a lot of like swagger on it like a lot of yes. the riffs feel really like like just they, grooving they, to me like they feel it feels more like of a, a return to sort of tony iomi's writing style with the aussie years but mm-hmm. filtered through what they did on heaven and hell so like when you first yeah. hear heaven and hell you're like the melody here is is totally like this is a different band you know and some mm-hmm. people like that and some people don't but then specifically the title track off Mob Rules, when you hear that and you're like, holy shit, like yeah. this is, this feels more, it feels bluesier and sort of like scummier, like some of the old sludgy Sabbath stuff. Um, yeah. I, I love that record. I think it's a perfect mixture of the shit that they did in the Dio era. I love it. Definitely my favorite. Good that response, is, I yeah. think that's our first Mob Rules, isn't I think it? that is the first time we got that response. Yeah, man, that's killer. Nice. For the Dio era, yeah, I uh, yeah when I when I first found Black Sabbath, everything I heard and from friends who told me Black Sabbath, it's like just the Aussie, just the Aussie, yeah. just the Aussie stuff, and that's it. You know, first four records, it's all you need in your life. First four records, and I'm like, all right, cool, and they're great. Yeah. Uh, then I remember when I first heard Mob Rules, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then when I finally checked out the whole album and checked out Heaven and Hell, yeah, I was like, this is like incredible like i was my my dad got me into sabbath when i was a kid and it was only aussie sabbath right like hmm. post aussie sabbath did not exist in our house and i'm not even sure i was aware it was a thing until i got to college and heard the dio shit for the first time and i was like you foolish old man what have you kept from me my entire life because like it it rips and it rips in a totally different way and i think that that's there's just no band with a heritage with a legacy like that, I don't think, who's moved through that many different um, eras and sort of, I, you know, f- at least for my money, excelled as songwriters, as a performing unit, and as a musical group in all of those eras. Uh, yeah. So if there's if there's later shit that you hadn't checked out, brother, and you want a guide through the Tony Martin years, you're oh, talking yeah. to the right fellows right here. You um, drop me some wrecks right now. And we will, we will absolutely, I'm going to, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. No, fuck. I can't. I always, I always say I'm going to make you a Spotify list. And then I remember none of the shit's on Spotify. Yeah, I don't yeah, think you none to, of the Tony Martin shit's on Spotify. I will, um, I'm going to put you together a list of recs um, and uh, like send you links or something like that. Oh yeah. Or, yeah. I'm excited. I, I, I think that you'll think it's fun, man. Dave, it's been awesome talking to you, dude. It's always really Likewise. cool to, to put a friendly face with, uh, with music that we enjoy and then also to, to, to talk to the person who creates shit that you enjoy and find out that they're like a genuinely good person. And that is oh, something that we, we respect and that we appreciate. And like I said, dude, I really, really hope I, I enjoy World Eaters. Um, I hope that that and the breaking English, uh, th- these things sort of meet all your expectations and exceed them. But either way, we, we certainly hope to hear more from you and we would love to get you back on the podcast anytime, man. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, Dave. Definitely. I'll see you on the internet.
I'm going to get out here. Bye. <laughs> Later, man. Have a good one. What a good dude. Super nice dude, man. Good job. Super nice dude. Passionate dude. Doing it all himself. I love I, I, I want to like start asking people about that rock band shit like that to me is, yeah. is super interesting when we get people who are like musicians now who who found this kind of music and started making or at least became interested in making this kind of music through that particular avenue i feel like that's a really interesting and cool and sort of i feel like the that kind of exposure to it is different than what you get like finding it by yourself on the internet or like hearing it from a group of friends who you know are already metalheads, you know? Definitely. Yeah, it's a huge thing, man. We should dig into that more. That'd be a we good will. angle. Dude, I guess I'll talk, I'll talk to you soon. Stay in touch. Yes. We will talk to each other soon. Stay strong. Yeah. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Love you, man. I'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thank you. Waterloo. Peace out. Shout out to Waterloo. Let's do Shout it. out to Waterloo. Sponsor.